I want to share with you a message tonight that um, kind of comes along with this beautiful artwork over here. Did y'all come look at this? Wow. That, I'd like to go home with that. He said it's on the auction bar the block for giving it away tonight, so I don't know. It's possible. But anyway, I have a message tonight actually titled The Crow and the Eagle. That's what I want to share with you tonight. Now, I was actually speaking at an event. Um, I was over in Oklahoma, and I was on I-40, and I was on my way home on this event, and I saw a really unique scene. God speaks to me in, like, almost cartoonish sometimes. Apparently, I'm pretty simple-minded, so. But I was crossing over a bridge, and sitting in the top of this tree was a beautiful bald eagle. I mean, I love bald eagles. Now... Bald eagles are, in, are interesting birds. If you've ever looked, studied them at all, eagles can fly higher than any other bird. They, they can fly higher than any. They've, they've been seen at you know, several hundred thousand feet with the airplane pilots. That's crazy. They have a wingspan like seven and a half feet. They stand nearly three feet tall. They can weigh as much as 14 pounds. It's like a pretty good-sized turkey. <laughs> they can see four to seven times as good as any human. Now, from a thousand feet up, they can spot their prey in as much as a three-mile area. I mean, they're, they're incredible. They can pick up as much as four pounds. Now, something really unique about an eagle is they completely renew themselves. Their beaks and their talons are made from something called keratin, which is the same thing as our hair and our fingernails. So they continually grow, just like ours. They molt their feathers, so they, they like completely renew themselves. They, they, they can fly at speeds as high as 75 miles an hour. They're incredible. Have been seen at least at 15,000 feet. I mean, I said 100,000, that's probably a little high. That's a Pentecostal measurement there. But <laughs> the, eagle, <laughs> the eagle is used a great deal in representing the prophetic. And it's because of everything that they do that they can see so far ahead. That's you know, like the prophetic. They're seeing ahead into the future. They're seeing farther than anything we can see. And they can fly higher. They're, and, and they're completely renewable. So this continual growth, is, is again, it's kind of like it has a lot of spiritual connotation to it. Now back to my story. So I'm driving along the highway, and I see this magnificent bald eagle. And he's sitting on this branch. And about two branches down from him is a crow. And I thought, that's a funny picture. Right? I mean... It just caught me funny. And again, I kind of see in cartoons sometimes. So it caught me kind of funny, and I thought, I need to go back and take a picture of that. But then God began speaking to me about what I was seeing. So I had to pull over to the side of the road and take some notes. Because you see, this eagle, eagle represents everything that we strive to be. Not only as Christians, but I think in general in life. We, we, we want to be this magnificent creature. Powerful. Useful desired, maybe godly in all that we do. But the truth is, most of us are more like that old crow. We're dark, we're dirty. An eagle has been known to be considered a scavenger, but for the most part, an eagle's after live prey. I've seen video of them taking ducks out of the air. I've, I've seen them taking small animals, small dogs, <laughs> cats. I'm not really too worried about the cats, but um, <laughs> but a crow 
is, is just very much a scavenger. He only eats dead stuff. I, I've never seen a crow kill anything. They just picking up somebody else's stuff. And that's kind of, I mean, when we look at our lives, we tend to lean more towards that old crow than we do anything about this old eagle. So what do we do? We hang out next to them. Maybe we rub shoulders with them. Maybe we do our best to even imitate them, especially when we're in front of others. Right? I mean, we're on our best behavior tonight, right? Well, for the most part. I mean, because we're around other people. We want to make a good impression. We, we, you know, and when we're at work or maybe wherever we may be, we're always trying to be something that we're not in reality. There's always a distinct difference between a crow and an eagle. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? But you're running the photos. I love those photos. I mean, because that's kind of what I saw. Here you have this magnificent bald eagle and this dirty old crow. And you, you know that crow is just kind of looking at him like, really? <laughs> you know, have you ever been in that place where you, you, maybe you've been around something that's really important, maybe somebody or something that's really special, but you have a feeling they're looking at you kind of like that old crow because you don't fit in? And see, the only way that crow is ever going to become an eagle is through a supernatural transformation. It would take a close encounter with a creator God for that crow to ever become an eagle. I'm not talking about an experience with Jesus. A lot of us get hung up right here. We have, maybe many of you have been moved emotionally. I was. I grew up, single guy church. My dad was a deacon. My mom was a church secretary. I tell people all the time I had a drug problem growing up. I got drugged to church every time the doors was open. But that was all it was. See, I learned how to act correctly. I learned how to rub shoulders with those eagles. Because if I didn't, some little old lady had me by the ear dragging me to the altar every Sunday night. So I learned how to be something I was not. Because I never sold out. That was just emotions. I went to church camp. Some of them was really good. And, and I might have even found myself in the altar. I might have found myself there maybe even weeping tears. Maybe actually sorry for the lifestyle I was leading. But the problem was, I would get up from that altar time, or that camp, or that whatever it was, and I'd go right back to my old way of life. It was just an experience. It was just an emotional experience. We go through life having nothing but emotional experiences quite frequently. We've left the experience and gone back to our way of life. And that way of life continues to draw us away from God. The only way that that crow is ever going to become an eagle is through a supernatural encounter with God. Do you remember a guy named Saul in the Bible? You know the dude going around hunting Christians? I mean, he was actually, he, he, he had a license. He wasn't doing any legal. He had a license to hunt Christians. That was his job in that time frame. If you look at Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 9, the story of Saul's encounter with God comes into play. So as he's approaching Damascus, he's on his mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, 
And he fell to the ground, and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asks. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, I know that's a pretty, that's a pretty wild sight, right? I mean, <laughs> these guys are just on their little journey. They're just walking down the road. Man, I'm glad I did not have to walk here. Them hills would have killed me. <laughs> I wasn't built to walk. But here he is, and they're on this journey, right? And so the men that were with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picks himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now the remainder of chapter 9 goes on to describe Saul's transformation from a crow to an eagle. Saul didn't have an emotional experience here. That, folks, was an encounter with a God who brought life change to him in that time. Saul was never the same again. Matter of fact, he even got a name change out of the deal. Because somewhere around chapter 13 of Acts, our guy Saul becomes God's guy, Paul. And we see him throughout the New Testament. Saul was no longer an old crow. Through his encounter with the Holy God, he was transformed into an eagle, set apart for the use for his creator. God had a plan. I could go on with many other life-changing encounters with God that are recorded throughout the Bible, but I'll only give you a couple. How about when Peter walked on water? Now, I love Peter. I can relate to Peter. Peter was knucklehead. We got any knuckleheads in here? Yeah, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I can relate to Peter, right? I mean, it's like he's the guy that if anybody puts out the dare, I'm in, right? Anybody like that in here? Somebody throws on the dare, and you're like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Give it to me. Well, that's how Peter was. So this, this, this story, one of my favorite stories is where Peter walks on water, and some of you may know that story. He's, uh, they're rowing across the, the, the ocean or the sea, wherever they're at, and they're striving. Anybody ever rowed a boat in a lake full of waves against the wind? That's no fun. That's, that's why God created trolling motors and outboards and stuff like that. But here he is. They're, they're striving in the storm. There's a wind blowing. We know the story. Jesus comes walking to him on the water. They see him coming. What do they do? They get scared. They actually think he's a ghost walking on the water. So he cries out to them. And he said, guys, it's just me. Well, Peter, the knucklehead, Lord, if that's really you, then, then you bid me to come out there on the water with you. So Jesus said, come on. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I've never walked on water unless it was froze. So... I'm not sure I'm climbing out of the boat in a storm in the night, but Peter does. Now, I will tell you, I use, oftentimes when I'm talking about biblical things, I use the lots of versions when I study. Um, one of them is the MOV, which is my own version. So I usually try to warn people when I'm going to use the MOV, and, and so that's kind of where this comes from. I don't think that invitation to come out of the boat was just to Peter. I think it was to everybody in the boat. Come on. 
You want to see something, come on. Step out of the boat. But Peter, he's the only one knuckleheaded enough to do it. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know what happens here, right? He starts walking on water. I mean, like, seriously, he's walking on water. But what happens? Just like most of us, he gets caught up in the storm going on around him. And he loses sight of his goal. He takes his eyes off Jesus. And he begins to sink. The Bible says he cries out, Lord, save me. And it records where Jesus reached down and lifted him up. Sounds like an encounter, right? Nope. It's just an experience. It's just emotions running here. Where does the encounter come in? See, in my, in my, in my own version, <laughs> the encounter isn't even recorded. How did they get back in the boat? See, I, I believe that had Jesus picked him up, like his knuckleheaded self he was, and carried him back to the boat, we would have seen that recorded. Somebody had wrote that down. And Peter got out there and saw Jesus had to pick him up, carry him back to the boat. But that's not what we see. It's, it's not recorded, so I have to believe the encounter came when Peter walked with Jesus on the water back to the boat. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. What about this one? The thief on the cross. Right? I mean, there's, there's two of them. But there's only one who spoke up on behalf of Jesus on the cross. He tells his other buddy, he said, dude, shut up. We're guilty. We deserve what we're getting. But this guy hasn't done anything wrong. And all he said to Jesus... Lord, remember me today when you enter your kingdom. See, he recognized who he was. He recognized his authority. He recognized his deity. How? I mean, from the accounts I've seen, he was beat to a pulp, wearing a thorn crown. What did Jesus say to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Again, we're hearing the emotions, right? I mean, there's still an emotional thing going on here. This is just an emotional experience. This guy's recognizing Jesus, and Jesus is telling him, hey, look, man, you know, your future's all right. Where did the encounter come into play? Again, once we don't see it recorded, but the instant he took his last breath on this earth, he took his first breath with Jesus in paradise. He was no longer the same. He had an encounter with a holy God that changed not only his earthly form, but his eternal one. That's powerful. If you look at verse 10 through 15 in that uh, chapter, it says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said, Rise. And go to the street called Straight. I think that's funny. I have no idea why I think that's funny. A street called Straight. There's not one around here. <laughs> it's only in the Bible. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So remember, Saul's, Saul's blind, Right? I mean, he, he can't see. They led him into Damascus. So now, 
The Lord is sending somebody to show him who he is. Now, it says that Saul's been praying. I got news for you. If you're out there riding down the trail, maybe tomorrow after church, don't do it before or in church, wait till after church. If you're out there riding down a trail and you see some bright light that blinds you, I got a feeling it's going to have an effect on who you are. You're going to begin to question some things. Well, obviously, he had a conversation with a holy God on that road. And as God gave him instruction, he also gave him a way through. All you got to do is follow the call. Verse 13, Ananias is arguing with God. Anybody ever argue with God? Yeah. He says, but God. That's a pretty common phrase for a lot of us. Yeah, but God can't do that. He says, but God, he's, he, he's a bit concerned about this guy because he knows who he is. He knows his story. Verse 13 says, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard for, from many about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15 says some huge stuff to us here. It says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, God is looking to have an encounter with you. Why? Because you are his chosen instrument. You're a vessel he created for such a time as this. It doesn't matter where you've been in your life. It doesn't matter what you've been going through. It doesn't matter what you've done. God says, I have need of you. I created you for such a time as this. Are you ready for an encounter that changes your life forever? Listen, I'm here to tell you today that we are chosen instruments created for such a time as this, but he can't use us the way he created us until we have a life-changing, life-transforming encounter with the Holy God. These emotional experiences are simply not enough to prepare you for what God has for you to do. If all you're doing is going through motions, if all you're doing is showing up for church on Sunday, maybe Sunday night, don't happen everywhere anymore. Maybe Wednesday night, but that's even rarer. Listen, <laughs> I did not get this way from eating one time a week. This boy's got to put something in him every day. Spiritually, is no different. I, I cannot survive in this world we live in today, in the chaotic darkness around us, just by going to church and listening to one message a day, a week. Ain't happening. How, how do I fix that? Well, it means I'm going to have to step up. I'm going to have to get past these experiences, and I'm going to have to have a transformation. I'm going to have to quit being this old crow, and I'm going to have to cry out to God to transform me into an eagle because I have something that he needs me to do. It requires repentance, and it requires a word that we struggle greatly with, surrender. So what's required of us today to transform from that old crow into an eagle is to surrender who we are to the God who created us. He created us with a plan in mind. We were, we were originally created to worship him, to fellowship with him. Take it all the way back to the first book. What did Adam do? 
He walked with God in the cool of the garden. He hung out with the creator of the universe until he was deceived and he fell into sin. Now we have to deal with that ourselves because we're born into it. And at some point in our life, we have to decide how life's going to be from here. We have to surrender. We've got to pick up our cross daily. You know what that means? It don't mean going out here and picking up a stick, carrying it around the rest of the day. That cross only represented one thing, crucifixion. The most brutal form of death known to mankind. Anybody know how you died in a crucifixion? Suffocation. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever been held underwater or couldn't breathe. Suffocation is not fun. But you died by crucifixion simply because of the way they hung you on the cross, your body position. Those nails driven through your feet and your arms were purposeful. Not just to hold you up there. But in order for you to breathe, you could all day long. But until you pushed and pulled yourself up against those nails to, to bring your diaphragm up, you couldn't exhale. So as long as you wanted to live, you had to go through the agony of those nails. It's actually why they eventually came and broke your legs. Because if they got tired of playing the game and you were tougher than they thought, then they'd just come break your legs. You could no longer push yourself up. You would suffocate and you would die. Picking up our cross daily is that very vision I just gave you. It's dying to us. It's dying to me, my way, my selfishness, and living for him. He's our only hope. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We will not become the men and women that God has called us to be and created us to be without it. Jeremiah chapter 1 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I set you apart to be a voice to the nations. Jeremiah was just like us. You know, that argument automatically came. Oh, but God, I can't do that. I'm just a kid. But God says, I put my words in your mouth. I've set it apart for you. I've called you for such a time as this. There's not a person from the youngest to the oldest in this room that does not still have a purpose on this earth right now. It, it might be to, yeah, sorry. It might be to stand at that door and smile and shake somebody's hand. It, it might be to stand in front of people like I'm doing. Listen, I gotta tell you, it takes a lot for me to get up here. It scares me to death. I, I, I do a lot, I do a daily podcast. And when I'm behind that microphone in my computer, in my office, or, or on this little microphone I got going doing my own thing, I don't have an audience to look at. <laughs> I got news for you. I don't know what any of you look like because I've been all over the place. But this is what he's given me to do. I've ran. I've tried to quit. It don't work. Because this stuff just keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. God's calling you out today, right here and right now. God told you that I've been raised in church and 
It took a long time for me to find my way. I was middle-aged, married with kids. We lived in an old ratty trailer house, but both of us had cars, both of us had jobs. Really wasn't any reason to be struggling, except I had taken us as far away from God as I could get us. We were doing archery tournaments every weekend, softball through the summer. We had time for church. And on a Wednesday night, for no real apparent reason, I got home from work before everybody else, and I sat on the edge of my bed with a 357 Magnum in my hand ready in my life. No reason. I was just lost. God spoke something into my heart that night that changed me forever. It was a simple thing. It wasn't some extravagant light. It wasn't some booming voice. It was just a thought he put in my head. What are you kids going to tell their friends? That was a Wednesday. I loaded my family up. When they got home, we walked into a church that my wife had been pulling into the parking lot of for two weeks and just crying because she knew how lost we were too. They were having kids crusade. <laughs> Pastor wasn't even in the house. And I told that couple that was running a kids crusade, you do your thing, I ain't going nowhere because I'm not leaving here until I get what I came for. I had to have an encounter with God that night. I was desperate. You might not be in that desperate place tonight. Maybe you are. Maybe that's why you're here tonight. You, you do realize you're not here just for a meal and some giveaways. This is a divine appointment tonight. God doesn't play games with us. Why are we playing them with him? He's calling you out tonight. Are you ready to be an eagle? Now, I know that there may be some, some men and women of faith here that you got your life in order and you're doing good things. And if that's the case, I hope you are praying desperately right now for those around you who are not. Because tonight, I believe, and we pray this over every event I go through, Lord, ain't nobody leaving here tonight the way they came. This takes place tonight. God is calling you out today right here and right now. Are you ready to become an eagle? If you would, I want you to just bow your heads with me all across this place. I, I'm not a numbers counter. I don't take notches in my Bible for how many people raise their hands in altar calls. What I'm gonna do right now is give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. To quit playing games to come away from the experiences of life, the emotional things that maybe you've played with, and allow God to have an encounter with you tonight that changes you forever. I've talked with Pastor Larry. I'm going to invite you to just make your way to the front. I know we've got a lot of stuff left to do, but I don't want to miss an opportunity for God to change somebody's life tonight. we got all night. Time goes forward, we're going to lose sleep anyway. We might as well just enjoy our time here. So tonight, I'm asking you, if there's anyone in this room, we're not going to embarrass you, we're not going to do anything goofy. We just want to pray with you. We want to give you an opportunity to have an encounter with the Holy God tonight. 
we can't do anything for you. We're just vessels. God's going to pour through. But right now, get up from where you are. Make your way to the front. We want to pray for you. Anyone in the house? This is your opportunity. Well, I can tell you I'm not naive enough to believe that this whole room is full of God-fearing, God-encountered people. But for whatever reason, you're not making a move tonight. It's between you and him. It, it has nothing to do with me. I want to encourage you to take everything I've said here tonight to heart. Begin to seek the Lord in your behalf. You know where Pastor Larry's is. They're, they're going to have a service here in the morning. This would be a good place to show up. Maybe you've got a home church. Maybe you've got a place that you attend. I want to I challenge you. Don't go back the way you came. I want you to leave here carrying with you something from God. Let him move in your heart tonight like never before. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. God, I thank you for this people. I thank you for this event that has drawn everybody into your presence. God, you know the word that's been spoken. There's fertile ground out here. God, seeds been planted, ground's been tore up, seeds have been watered. The harvest is all yours. God, I pray that not a thing happened in this place tonight that doesn't give you glory. And that God, that everybody that's heard your word tonight moves with you from this point on. That it opens a door to give them opportunity to come unto you. God, we know that you're waiting with open arms. No matter how far we've run, you're one step behind us. All we got to do is turn around. You're waiting for us, open arms. We thank you for your presence in this place and your spirit tonight. God, have your way in the rest of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you want to meet in private, you want to meet after this is all over, I ain't going nowhere. I'll be around. Pastor Larry will be around. Kevin is with me. He works with me a lot. We'd love to visit with you. If you've got questions, if you want to just pray, we'll do it. Okay? God bless you. Pastor Larry.